Hello, you're listening to Pushing Boundaries with TNA. I'm T. And I'm A. And <laughs> we have it in a very exciting topic and two lovely guests tonight joining us. We do. Tonight we're talking about the demise of guys. What? I know. Is I there know. a demise of guys? Well, we're going to talk about that. Okay. So uh, this is, we've got uh, two lovely young ladies with us on tonight. Um, they are from the bettersexed.org blog. Which young, is old, but mostly accomplished. Young, old. <laughs> You're what? not old. No. Uh, what I'm saying is, is I, I don't know what I'm saying. I, I just meant, given our last show, we were talking about women and like, I don't know. I just felt like by commenting on young, it didn't have anything to do with like their accomplishments. Okay. All right. T. <laughs> um, anyway, so, <laughs> so these ladies run this uh, wonderful blog that is, deals with, uh, they talk about basically candid conversations about sex and relationships and staying safe along the way. It's, it's wonderful information. So check them out there. And also, um, we've got Nikita. So Nikita is uh, one of the young ladies. Nikita Kulum. Am I saying that right? Close enough. <laughs> Kulum. <laughs> Nikita Kulum, who is a co-author with Philip Zimbardo, who's a wonderful psychologist I studied in, in uh, school. And you guys wrote the book called The Demise of Guys and also uh, Man Disconnected, which is coming out in July, right? Um, actually, it's coming out in a couple of weeks, May 7th. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Great. Great yeah. timing. And, um, and also Keely, uh, Keely Rankin, who is the other lovely young lady co-creator of this wonderful blog. Um, and she's a sex and relationship uh, therapist or coach? Coach. coach. Awesome. Coach. So thank you for being with us. So they are Skyping in, FYI, everyone. Uh, so just, you know, don't mind the audio and us. enjoy the ride. <laughs> Um, okay, so the title alone, The Demise of Guys, is really fascinating to me. And I mean, I think it's pretty self-explanatory. I wonder if you guys could paint us a picture of what that looks like. Like, is that a reality? Um, yeah, I'd say it's a trend that's only going to get uh, more pronounced unless people start addressing the topics, which are mainly the overuse of porn, online porn, and the overuse of video games, uh, which Phil and I believe are symptoms of other underlying problems, such as widespread fatherlessness, failing school systems, and shyness, which has actually been increasing in recent decades, and also narcissism. Right. And you guys talk a lot about, um, I mean, there's a lot of, there, your book is filled with amazing stats that really kind of blew my mind. Um, but talking about how guys are um, failing in education, like lower num is this, I mean, th I was surprised to find some of these facts out that like they, they're literally statistically is evidence that guys aren't uh, performing as well as women, I suppose, in society. Well, yeah, I mean, right now guys are only 40% of the college population, and that's true for graduate school too. And this is across the world. This is in the UK, this is Canada, Australia, um, other Western nations. And, um, and have you interestingly, uh, the OECD just put out a report that said that young guys, um, there's actually a teacher bias against young men, that when names were taken off of tests and then they were graded, boys actually scored much higher, especially for reading and writing. 
Really? And they, yeah, and they actually connected it with the much greater number of female teachers. It's actually, in the U.S., it's eight out of nine grade school teachers is a woman. In the U.K., it's four out of five. Wow. Oh my God. Okay. So, this so is this blowing is, my mind. This is Can like I reverse ask? discrimination? Yeah. But is this like in the last 10 years? I mean, what is the window? Because, you know, in my head, I'm traditionally thinking women are always discriminated against. They talk about when women are in classes with, you know, girls are in class with other boys. Is that, you know, that, that they don't do as well? I mean, this, this is kind of what I grew up learning. Um, actually, research has shown that both boys and girls do better in school when they're separated. So single-sex classrooms, especially for science for girls and then reading and writing for boys. Wow. So we're doing... (laughs) That's interesting. So I should have stayed at that Catholic school with all girls. (laughs) 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 You made up for it, T. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Okay, so... So let me... I mean, there's there's a lot of interesting points that you... Or, I guess, factors that you guys that you touch on in the book that talk about why this is happening. And so I'm going to go through a couple of them. And, and um, so, yeah, just tell us, I mean, if you could break it down for us first, you mentioned video games as like a huge factor. What's the story with that? Okay. So originally, I mean, Phil and I were just observing things around ourselves in the Bay area. And then we, read Jane McGonigal's book, Reality is Broken, and she put out a statistic from her research that the average young guy is going to play 10,000 hours worth of video games by the time he's 21 years old. And I took that number of hours and I calculated out how long it would take for someone to get a bachelor's degree, and it turns out that's 4,800 hours, so they could have earned two bachelor's degrees in the time that they were playing video games and so it's like by the sheer numbers there's just a lot of other stuff they're not doing well and what's that book that came out that like in order to become a master of something you have to do it for 10,000 hours right right so, so they're they master sure video game players yeah. apparently exactly and and not much else <laughs> right right it's not going to translate well to other relationships i reckon yeah i can imagine yeah relationships but also i mean other real life activities like if you think about Maslow's hierarchy how you have like the bottom two two levels which are your basic physical needs that have to be met like safety food shelter um if those two needs are met on top of that are love and belongingness and then above that is esteem needs like you're accomplishing goals what video games can allow the user to do is jump from their basic physical needs right up to esteem needs and totally bypass love and belongingness needs. Uh, And they just get a huge inflated ego that nobody else can relate to in the real world. And how does that happen exactly? Is it, I know, is it the immediate uh, gratification that they're getting from the video games? Um, There's a few factors that you... Right, I mean, is it coming from a chemical reaction? Like your brain, I would assume, like you won. So serotonin level spikes, like, or, you know, these go dopamine. And and so then you're reacting in this very binary way. I would say that's more true for porn than video games. Like video games are are just like a very simple, clear-cut way to level up. And you're also getting respect from other players within the game. Right. And so there's a hierarchy and, and you can rise within that hierarchy. 
but you actually don't need to bond with anybody else. You can do all of this in social isolation. Right. Yeah. Um, a, you had talked about before we came on the show and, mm. and partly what interested you in this idea, uh, you know, with of the book and and what led us to finding Nikita. And ah, Kili. yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I wondered if you could kind of. Yeah. My, well, I, so I was originally when I came upon your book, it just like the whole concept, like light bulbs went off in my head um, because. You know, I had, it, it, there was a time in my life where I, w- I did sensual massage and I had, uh, all my clients were male. And one thing that really, really alerted me when I was doing this work um, was that I, I consistently heard stories, story after story of just relationships, fail- well, either failing or very stressed and uh, it, like... It, Basically, I was thinking that something isn't working. Something's not right. It, you know, married guys, even single guys who were out in the field and just again, again and again and again. And I'm like, wow, like nobody's happy in relationships. And what is going on here? And there's, you know, cheating and this and that and needs aren't being met and all kinds of stuff. So it just made me take a step back and look at like how are men and women I don't know, either either something's going on with monogamy or something's going on with uh, the way we're relating to each other. So it's spurred this further investigation into how are women um, behaving by themselves and what are they bringing into the relationship and how are men behaving and what are men bringing into the relationship and how, you know, how healthy are we individually as men and women? You know what I mean? Before so, you even try and engage. Before you even try and engage, Right. So, uh, so hence my fascination with all of this. Well, you guys are also living in LA. Yes. So, so it makes it much, much worse. What does that mean? I I would say so. I mean, it's California in general. There's a lot of the Peter Pan's I'd say. Yeah. Well, I would say men and women that don't, don't grow up in. Oh, sure. Um, you know, well, but Hey, I liked what you're talking about with, um, when I was, just looking over your body of work, Nikita, as well, having worked on this book, uh, the book of O, um, people's experience with orgasms, that kind of thing. Uh, it was really beautiful to see this compilation of different voices that you had put together and allowing um, each one to have this individual description of what their orgasms are like. And I just thought, you know, reading the ones about men were so profound in a way because I'd, I've never heard men talk about it so freely. Um, and so it just made me think about, you know, the, their communication blocks and what's acceptable for them to express and not, or how, what they perceive. Certainly, yeah. Um, and when I was doing that series of paintings, it was pretty profound because a lot of them didn't feel like they could express themselves uh, sexually at all. Um, and they didn't know how to communicate around their sexuality. I mean, Keely can tell you more about that. Right. Yeah, Keely, can you? I mean, how is all of this, um, like video games and I, porn, which we haven't gotten into yet, but um, what's going on with uh, how specifically men are communicating? Can you touch on that? Yeah, well, I think what has happened is that men have been socialized to sort of feel like almost demonized for their sexual needs. I mean, I can speak mostly to to their relationship needs or their intimacy needs. And it's almost like they don't know how to communicate them. Like they, they are scared to bring their desire forward. And one way or another, they've sort of found their ways into 
areas that feel, um, I guess, easier for them. Like it's easier to just go and, and, you know, put your time and energy into a video game or go and watch porn for a sexual release than it is to, you know, face the potential for rejection with a woman or in relationship. And so I think, you know, there's a couple different things that come into the factoring here, but it's, it's really like, there's this potential for rejection and it's really scary and they don't know how to get their needs met. And so they sort of end up just pulling away or, you know, Nikita was touching on the shyness. It's like there, there's like this, they have to get it just right or they feel the pressure to get it just right. But you know, you don't get it right the first time out. You actually normally mess up a lot before you finally get it right. But there's this feeling like if they do something wrong, that or and they're rejected that they they don't ever go back they kind of just like stop right there and it's easier to just go back to the video game or go back to the porn if the rejection happens and so men sort of like I don't I don't see them trying as often or the, the fear of rejection becomes so high it almost keeps them from engaging in the types of relationships that they want hmm. I would chime in here actually and add on I mean guys are socialized nowadays that when a woman says no, they, they listen to that no, and then they back off versus, you know, in our parents' generation, no meant you got to try harder. Right. <laughs> you have to yeah. try something Playing else, yeah. non-sexual, to, like, prove yourself. And now it's just, like, no means no, and nobody gets a date. Oh, interesting. And, and also, I mean, there's some shame there, too, for guys, because... I, I love how Warren Farrell wrote about it in his books, but he said, you know, when guys are, when children are young, they're watching TV and, you know, a violent program will come on and the parents will let their children watch the violence, but then if, if nudity comes on, even like a flash of something, they'll, they'll switch the channel. And so boys learn that sex is dirtier than, than violence. Well, I think we all learned that. <laughs> yeah, but they're the ones that have to initiate still. And oh, so sure. They yeah. feel like, you know, the burden's on them. They want it more. They're the dirty ones. Well, I'm just having Tea. a sad moment. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> taking it all in. Um, you know, it, we had a guest on um, our episode where we were talking about cunnilingus, and our straight male, you know, mentioned that idea of, you know, his girlfriend had said no about something, and, and he was like, well, I was just taught never to even question it. You know, like she said, no, so I won't go there. We won't have a discussion. And and I remember we, we ultimately kind of all agreed it was somewhere more gray, right? It's like, well, if you're in a relationship, then it's case by case. And you want to talk about things if you have a desire for something that maybe they are, are initially not interested in. But, you know, you want to get at the root of why. Um, but that was interesting. I mean, he's definitely, you know, younger generation, not our parents, right, in his 20s. Mm -hmm. and um, And it did seem like a very different response from again what I had maybe grown up knowing which is also that persistent, idea of, that men are persistent well men are persistent and I, I mean I think I was kind of I, I think both of us were a little bit in that you know the time when things are shifting and right. in perspective right and so um, I was taught that that's the problem men persist so you have to assertively say no and like I don't need to explain why you know <laughs> and so now there's sort of this weird backlash happening yeah let me ask you, ladies, one thing that comes to my mind is, well, I mean, that the, that these guys grow out of it, that it's a phase um, and that when they're watching all these video games, I mean, I, I think about um, some some guys in my family even, um, 
but yeah, I mean, you know, lots of video game watching and social, you know, locking them away and awkwardness and awkwardness with women and delayed relationships and whatnot. But you kind of just assume that, well, once their desire for women becomes heightened enough, they'll just get over that and throw themselves into the pool. However, I, if um, all of that, those 10,000 hours or whatnot of video games, if all of that has some kind of deeper underlying effect that maybe we don't see or isn't obvious once the men grow up, what, what do you think? Or do you see any of that or, or will, do they grow out of it or? Some do, some don't. Um, some, it just takes a long time because they're isolating themselves in these virtual worlds of video games and porn and those worlds ultimately provide some kind of reward whether it's praise for their skills or you know no fear of rejection at all um, they're, they're moving further and further away from people so it becomes harder to move back into reality and social interactions especially if they've been doing this since their early teens you know, you have to think about 10 years later, the women have been maturing while well, they've just kind of been stunted. And so it becomes even harder to to meet women their same age on their level. Okay. Why are, why is it different for women right now? I mean, yeah. would we just say it's video, you know, they're not targeting video, you know, females in video gaming or... Because they, I know women oh, do yeah. play video games, but you have some stats on that, right? Or... Um, well, actually, interestingly, for Man Disconnected, we, we talked to a bunch of students in the UK. We asked them, why do you think women play more video games than men? And they unanimously and independently said that it was the themes in video games. You know, sports, first-person shooter games, violence. Uh, these are not themes that, <clears throat> that women really find that meaningful hm. in general. And right, they're not engaged by that. No, and actually scientists have studied this, you know, they've done MRIs um, where men are playing a certain video game and women are playing a certain video game, for example, like one where you have to gain territory, Mm -hmm. and men's brains are much more active. Women understand the game, they understand how to play it and win, but the men are just, they're more engaged, they're more motivated to, to win. So is this just sort of a weird incidental gap that's happening where because they didn't invest in marketing games to women, now all of a sudden women are getting the edge? I mean, is it is it just around the corner that they'll start making games for women that'll kind of make us all video machines? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> we certainly hope not. <laughs> it's, it's interesting. I'm curious about how you two ended up studying this. Um, like, what led you down this path? I mean, it, to focus on on men and youth, um, male youth that's dealing with this. Well, I'll, I'll, t- I'll say first and Kiwi you go. Um, for me, it was the, the Orgasm Portrait series because I'm talking to all these men and it was a much different conversation for them than it was with women. They were, for them, it was like they're getting something off their chest and for women, it was just like kind of giggling and it's fun and it's lighthearted, but for men, it's like, I've never told anybody this and you know, it feels so great to finally tell somebody about myself this way. And so I started, that was my interest, initial interest in men's issues, was why, why do we do this to men? Yeah. Yeah, interesting. I, it does make me reflect on, you know, relationships I've had where, 
yeah, you know, often it is the the male that I'm right, the man that I'm dating who's saying, "Wow, I've never been able to say this to anyone. I've never right." Um, but I think as women, we're conditioned to have girlfriends where you can speak much more freely, and there's sort of a, a more I don't know on, protective enclave in that sense. Yeah, Keely, what are your what's your experience been? Um, very generally with your clients do you I mean do you have a lot of male clients that deal with shame or or um, have a really difficult time communicating so I specialize in male sexual dysfunction so I work with men around delayed ejaculation early ejaculation and erectile dysfunction so you know sort of depending upon what someone's coming in for shame is shame is almost always there but there's a lot of other factors that can contribute to sort of men feeling not good enough or scared to ask for what they want or scared to go after anything that they want in a relationship. You know, I would say uh, porn can be a contributing factor around like uh, physically being in their bodies. So like, um, well, to answer your question about how I got involved, I think I have always really loved men. I have a lot of sympathy for them. I have a lot of compassion for them. And when I started working around sex coaching, which sex was just something I was always interested in, and when I had to pick a profession, I was like, well, I'm going to pick something I'm really passionate about, and sex was one of them. So I ended up falling into sex coaching and ended up just being really good at working with men and understanding where they were coming from. And you know, I don't actually believe that men want to feel disconnected. I, I don't think any human wants to feel disconnected on this planet. Yeah. I think it's very, very painful, but there's no, there, it doesn't feel like there's any outlet for them or any place to go. And I think a lot of them feel sort of beholden to this way our society has put them here. Like, okay, you have to be a man, but you can't, you know, you can't show certain characteristics of being manly. Like, it's almost not okay anymore to be masculine. Um And I think that really stunts a lot of men. They feel really confused around like, what does it mean to be a man these days? You know, it's, it's, it's confusing. And, um, you know, porn, I think makes it even more confusing because some, you know, and Nikita can probably speak to the statistics on this, but a lot of men's first sexual experience is watching porn. And while I think porn has some great educational factors around like what, you know, variety in some sense, like seeing actual genitals, different types of genitals, although it be mostly large and people who are mostly fit and (laughs) pussies that are mostly trimmed, it's like um, they're not actually understanding the physical body sensations. They're sort of just watching this experience on camera, masturbating to it, getting off, but not... Am I allowed to say this on your show? Sure, yes, yes, yes. yes. Sorry for checking in late about that. No, it's interesting Um, to think about just that one sensation that they're experiencing, right? It's coming only from the visual. It's only the visual. It's like just a hot circuit from what they're watching into their brain and then they're ejaculating, but they don't have any idea how they got there. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's sort of like this, you know, really, really quick sensation, but they don't have any body awareness. So when it actually comes to being with a woman or being, being with another man, being with a physical human body, it, they don't, they don't actually understand erotic energy or how to be in it in their bodies. And so it gets very, very confusing. And oftentimes erotic energy can open up feelings that people didn't know that they had. And then all these feelings come up and then they get even more scared and more vulnerable. And so it starts to spiral from there. Wow, that's fascinating. I've never thought about that exactly, but I think that pretty much hits the nail on the head when I think about the problems 
and potential problems with porn and and porn being specifically an education tool just by nature of like nothing else really existing in the u.s right um um it's yeah, also so, an education in passivity right though too because it's like millennials and younger we're just like a generation of voyeurs and so they're sitting behind a screen getting stimulated very passively they're aroused from being very passive right it's so that that would create a completely different dyna- relationship dynamic i would imagine yeah Luckily, they're now developing virtual reality porn, so you which, can step into that. <laughs> well, actually, which I tried. Now you're actively I, I actually tried virtual reality porn for the first time oh, at a dinner party oh, two what, weeks ago. At a, ma- a man's home who owned it? Um, no, he had it in his car, <laughs> and he brought it with him. <laughs> okay, so it's... But, but, okay, but that, it freaks me out, to be honest, because, I, I mean, it's like... You know, if if we're all if we're if the risk of being disconnected already exists with porn the way it is, turning it into virtual reality is like where the hell they're never going to come back to reality ever. Yeah, it sort of slaughters empathy and connection. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be competing with virtual reality. It's it's freakish. I'm <laughs> I'm feeling very uncomfortable and nervous about the direction of our society. <laughs> well, you've heard about um, Japan's hikikomori, right? The no the herbivorous men that are opting out of no sex. yes i have heard of oh this. have you i, yeah. I stumbled yeah. upon it but i don't know details what they're opting out of porn or? oh let me let me just look it up real fast i'll find you a percentage no no worries in the meantime um well why don't we take a but, mini break oh, and we'll come right back uh with your new information on hikikimori we'll be right back I say you're the bestest, leaning for a big kiss, but it's fair perfume. Go play a video game. It's you, it's you, it's all for you. Everything I do, I tell you all the time. Heaven is a place on earth where you tell me all the things you want to do. I heard that you like. back with Pushing Boundaries with TNA. I'm T. And I'm A. And we're speaking with Keely and Nikita, who are, can I call you sexperts? <laughs> and uh, and the blog? Sorry, they, run, they run the bettersexed.org blog. And, uh, and Amazing, fascinating articles on there. It was just a sieve right. that I disappeared into for hours. Satiating all my questions and and uh yeah no yeah it's a great response and great uh great tools there and also nikita is the co-author of the demise of guys uh with philip zimbardo you can check out the ted talk if you want a, a brief rundown of that um or or get it on amazon and disconnected is a new book coming out um from her as well may 7th right may 7th so uh nikita did you find hikikimori <laughs> um no, no. <laughs> I, I, Don't worry about I, it. I, but I want to get the exact percentage, but it's. I know it it's keeps creeping up every year. It's. It started out in two thousand eight. It was like, a quarter of young men just didn't have any interest in sex, and now it's it's like almost half. No way. Well, I want to say there's also an issue of them not leaving their homes. This is like another condition that's happening where they yeah. they actually don't go outside. 
Wait, wait. These are the a different word actually. So Shoku Danchi. Yeah, I forget that one. I forget yeah. the names, but there's some serious stuff going on with disassociation and, and connection with the other people. Wait, wait, wait. I mean, this, is, this is young men community. It, in where? Like in a specific country in or Japan. Okay. So wait. But I'm sorry, did you say a quarter of the young men in Japan? Yeah, but it keeps rising. Are you serious? A quarter's a lot. Wait, a quarter (laughs) and now potentially even half of the young men in Japan are like have no interest in sex. Correct. What Um, the f (laughs) is all I I, like? I my mind is being is blown right now. Wow, that's a problem. I was I was really fascinated, and we talked. They are interested. Go ahead. I think in Japan they're still masturbating. They're just not interested in sexual like contact with women. Isn't that correct, Nikita? Like they're still interested in in sexual expression, just maybe not relationships. Some of them might masturbate, but my understanding is that they've kind of gone asexual. Oh, okay. Wow. Wow. Um, I wanted to touch on uh, real quick the you guys talked about early education in the book and this was a big surprise to me because I um, basically talking about how our education system is changing because of a lack of funds, right? And so reset, or I I believe it's funds, but recesses are being shortened or are non-existent anyway. And so that's really affecting um, young boys' uh, brain development, right? And you guys can probably explain this better well, than I, I can. I was <laughs> shocked by the five times more likely to be diagnosed ADHD that was in your in your book. I mean, astounding. My little brother diagnosed ADHD. <laughs> Seems like they're not running around enough. Absolutely not. I mean, what's happening is that boys boys' brains develop um, like they're reading their verbal parts of their brains are developing later than girls. This isn't new. This is just how their brains develop. But what's happening since they're not allowed to go outside and work off some of their energy is that they're just being told to like sit down, shut up and like do reading and writing exercises that they're really just not ready to do. And so from an early age, they're just learning to not like school. I mean, school really has become a female centric place from the, basically all female staff to the reading choices that like an English teacher might give, you know, it's like, and you guys had said there, the, one of the stats you have is that, um, there's a 71% increase in the number of boys who say they don't like school. That's huge. Correct. Yeah. So my question is, and maybe Keely, you can go into this, but, um, how does that trend or that, um, the way that we're handling, I don't know, men's brains and, and boys' brains and how they develop, how is that affecting um, them later in life regarding relationships and sex if they're, you know, being forced to try to learn things earlier on? I guess it... Low self-esteem? Low self-esteem or that, um, I mean, if they're being... I, what is it? it was, you guys were saying that if they're forced to learn it early on, then they uh, hate it, Right. So how did, like, does that just, is that affecting their personality or the way they relate or? Certainly. I mean, uh, I I would think just on a basic level, you're, you start to go inwards rather than outwards because boys are also raised to not ask for help. Um, so I think that boys just don't want to reach out to others and that, that experience at a young age just 
dampens. Reinforces that, basically. Can I ask, I mean, what has changed in the school system since the beginning of time? I mean, in the sense that, you know, we when I talk about our society, I'm like, it's male dominated, the patriarchy, the, you know, it's like set up to favor men, right? Uh, when, what shifted in the school system? I mean, what happened to boys succeeding more? Um, Is that a myth? Things. Okay, so first off, teachers now are like the bottom third of their SAT class. They're not as high quality in general as they used to be. So that's a huge factor. Um, Wow, yeah. A lot of boys say I'm just not challenged and that's why I'm not paying attention. Of course, you know, video games also raise the bar as far as the level of stimulation they require in order to be engaged in something because you think about school, school static usually, um, whereas video games are dynamic and ever-changing. So that's another factor is that school is boring compared to video games and porn. And another thing to think about is boys have actually done worse than girls in school. The APA recently put out a study they had done since they, they took into account like boys versus girls grades in school since the 1930s. Mm-hmm. And boys had always performed slightly worse than girls. But now, um, because of the economy and how that is changing, it's become more essential to have more education to earn a living wage. And so, whereas boys could just get a a good job with a high school education, you know, in our parents' generation, like, they can't do that anymore. Hmm. You have more hoops to jump through. Exactly. Yeah, I I mean, I, you know, maybe this is a little secondary, but I immediately think of my own experience of being a very good student and coming into a workplace where I didn't understand how it worked as well. And I felt like somehow it was set up to benefit men more. Like they, like they just seem to function more easily in it, like the way that they're more direct or something, but I was always good at being a, like a good student. I don't know. And I, I just wonder how much that plays into like the different structures of the brain and, and I don't know them being educated that way. I also think it has to do with the way males communicate with each other versus the way that females communicate with each other. Um, you think about how boys grow up and they roughhouse and they call each other whatever they want to call each other. They say whatever's on their mind, and that builds a lot more trust and willingness to compromise. Whereas, like, women, we avoid saying what's on our minds to each other. Mm-hmm. And so we don't, we don't have that same level of trust built up. So I feel like women do have a harder time in the workplace uh, but for other reasons. Right. Right. Um, well said. <laughs> very well said. Um, so we are, we're running out of time, but um, could you guys touch, both of you, on uh, solutions for this sort of enormous, the, in giant problem situation. of the demise of guys? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think in terms of solutions, we have to stop sort of... I mean, I think it's pretty complicated because I think each person is different, right? But I think in general as solutions, it's like we just have to give men a little bit more freedom back. I think, you know, we've we've stripped away so much of masculinity and and brought in a lot of like feminine energy, which is wonderful, but I don't think it has to be one or the other. I think male and female energy complement each other, you know, even, you know, people who identify as gay 
or lesbian, it's like there's still a masculine and feminine energy. And it's I think we need to figure out as a society how to allow men to fully be men without without women feeling um, threatened, disempowered from that. Yes, we do have to figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> and Nikita? Um, well, what I would say is that we have to show men that they are lovable and not disposable. Hmm. Um, In, but yeah, I mean, that's an interesting idea is that even, you know, are we talking about media? Just that idea of them being oh, disposable? Oh, sure. Um, I mean, if you think about it, the, media, the way the media portrays men is pretty terrible in general. And the average young man growing up is only going to spend half an hour a week in one-on-one -on -one conversation with his father versus 44 hours in front of a TV or computer screen. So he's getting a lot more exposure to what the media is sending. So wow, that's a, such a remarkable difference, the, how, much the media, how much media he's consuming versus talking with his father. I mean... In Man Disconnected, I actually, I had this idea. You guys have heard of the Bechdel test, right? Yes, yeah. I, I said, let's do a reverse Bechdel test. <laughs> wow, and did you do it? Oh, no, you don't know. You're oh, saying, no, we, we proposed we it in the yeah. book, and we said, you know, how about a movie or t television series meets, passes the, the R test, which we called the MacGyver test. I don't remember, I don't know if you remember that series from the 90s, the early 90s. Yeah, yeah, yeah MacGyver. MacGyver. Okay, yeah. so we, a, a show will pass the MacGyver test if it, it has any of this criteria, which is the a man does not have to uh, to be shown as a competent father. It does not require the absence of the mother. So that's that's one. Um, the second one is. Uh, Oh, interesting. Yeah, that's that that has man never been shown in the media that idea of a competent uh, male parent. Yeah, okay, so here here are the other three. So the like an honest, hardworking man is in a successful position, or he's not shown as a loser. Uh, the female protagonist shows interest in the male protagonist before he is the hero, hmm. not after. Hmm. And um, the male protagonist solves problems in creative ways and only uses violence as a last resort. So that's that's the MacGyver test. Wow, interesting. All um, right. Well, you know, thank you, ladies, for for being with us um, and talking about this. I think to me, it really is uh, not a mind bender, but T. We talk a lot about women yeah. and women's rights on this show, and so. Um, and I think it's equally important right, to look at what's going on with men. Really being overlooked. Right. I mean, yeah, we're getting, finally, I mean, it's refreshing in a way to see such a breakthrough of uh, female perspective and the and being able to kind of announce the injustices more freely than ever before. But yeah, I mean, it's just astounding data to see this reversal happening. Thank you for sharing that. Um, on that note, uh, you're listening to Pushing Boundaries with TNA. Hold on. Uh, oh, I just wanted to, to I want, no, I just want you to go to their blog and check it out. <laughs> it's bettersexed.org. And uh, the books we've been talking about that Nikita collaborated on with Philip Zimbardo is The Demise of Guys and Man Disconnected, which is coming out May 7th. Um, so uh, you guys, Nikita and Keely Rankin, uh, thank you for being with us. Are you still there? 
Yep, you're very welcome. It was such a Thank pleasure. Thank you. Okay, thanks so much. Have a great night, and you're listening to Pushing Boundaries with TNA. Tweet us at TA Sex Talk if you'd like to comment on the show and let us know your thoughts. We'd love to hear.